Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, we are thankful that you are with us. And we uh, hope that we can be an encouragement to you because you definitely are to us. We're going to be studying out of 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. If uh, We will not have slides for that, so I'd encourage you to open your Bible. If you're using a pew Bible, somewhere around probably 1,027, I think will be around where it is in the Bible that's in the pew. Somewhere around 1,027, we'll be looking... A passage out of 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, the very end of the chapter, and then uh, developing it from there into a broader text throughout the third and the fourth chapter. It's really uh, wonderful the way God blesses us with so many opportunities. I want you to just think about uh, this week, this coming Wednesday, we'll continue our Wednesday night series and there'll continue to be breakout groups. And uh, throughout the summer, it has really been a great blessing. There's been wonderful feedback to the what we're calling in Tuning In and uh, with the guest speakers that have been in and then the various breakout groups that be very specific to a specific audience. And uh, we're thankful to be able to continue that uh, again this Wednesday night. And then on Friday night will be the Teacher's Appreciation Banquet. If you're a teacher, uh, you're invited, your spouse uh, invited also. There'll be child care available. If you've not signed up yet, please be sure and do that. The information central there. And then on Saturday morning will be a men's breakfast. And uh, John Coleman is going to speak. And uh, he's taught in the men's uh, Wednesday night class before Summer Faith Series. Uh, he filled in a couple of times. And, and I know from that did a tremendous job. You won't want to miss that. It'll be a blessing also. Uh, John White, which is a chef, uh, also uh, will do a great job with the crew that he has with a pancake breakfast. And so it'll be good fellowship and good food and a good spiritual uh, feast also. And then we will have Second Greatest Commandment Day on Sunday and high school and adult classes will be combined here. And we discussed that this morning. And we look forward to the great seven days. But also in the midst of all that, we also have the opportunity course to read a letter from John this week. And so I want to encourage you to take advantage of the opportunity to sit down a few times this week and, and not just read it as just a passage here and a passage there, but, but sit down and read it as if it's one letter and, and see how it communicates to you. And then I really encourage you to read it more than once. Read it several times. It's really amazing how a passage will come to life and there'll be so many things you'll recognize on the third and the fourth reading that you'll just think, I never saw that the first few times that I read it. And so if you haven't yet picked up a, a brochure that has that, it'd be easy to fit in your pocket or your purse and you can take it with you on the train or, or if you're waiting at a doctor's office somewhere, it'd be easy to pull out and, and just read it. And uh, they are scattered throughout the auditorium and perhaps still in windowsills. And there are several at information uh, center also. And so be sure and pick that up. Uh, if you haven't yet picked one up and take advantage of that wonderful, wonderful opportunity uh, to read God's word. Perhaps there's not one single verse that explains better what God can do in our lives than 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, and in verse 18. It's not just a verse about what God can do, but it's a verse about what God can do to us and in us and through us. And it's one of those verses that if you're just reading along, it'd be easy to read right past it and maybe miss what every phrase and what every ounce of this verse weighs in its great meaning. Verse 18, 2 Corinthians 3, but 
We all, not just Moses, not just the Israelites, not just a select nation of people. This is offered to everybody. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Let's dissect this for just a moment. It's offered to all of us, but we all. We all do what? We approach with an unveiled face. There probably hasn't been anybody here this week that's thought about whether or not there was or wasn't a veil over your face. And so we could read that and it might not have that great a meaning to us, but what we're going to see tonight is that is significant. We can approach the Lord Jesus without a veil on our face. Well, what do we do? We approach him without a veil. There's nothing hindering our sight. We approach him without a veil on our face. And what do we do? We gaze is what some translations would say. Behold is what it says here. In other words, it's a constant stare. It's not a dead stare. It's a stare where you're studying something. It's a stare where someone said, hey, look at this image and find five different images within it. Well, that's not a dead stare. That's you're gazing at, you're studying it. What are we doing? We're gazing as if it's a mirror. And what are we looking for? We're not just looking for it. We're looking at Jesus. And now the more we look at him, the more we see his glory. And notice as we go with an unveiled face to see the image of Jesus, that glory becomes our glory. We start to look more like him And that's why he says that we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. We literally, with unveiled faces, look at the glory of the Lord. We gaze, we study, we commit, we devote, and we start becoming what we are studying. The glory of the Lord. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. The prophet of old was right when he says, we're filthy rags. How could we go from being a filthy rag? All of us could join in with Romans 3 and 23. We've all fell short. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Three and, and, and verse 10, there's none righteous, no, not one. And yet us, sinners, filthy rags, We can be transformed by going with an unveiled face and gazing at the glory of the Lord. But what does that mean? The unveiled face. I'd like to give you an illustration. And perhaps it's a little bit goofy, but if it makes the point, perhaps it's worth it for me to sound a little bit goofy. I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine maybe like a reality show setting. And I want you to imagine that there's a privacy glass here that's kind of like what is in a lot of restrooms sometimes where it's so wavy and, and the only thing you could see through it is whether or not the light was on or not on on the other side. You just couldn't make out anything. It's so distorted. And, and so here you are in this, in this reality show and they tell you there's someone on the other side of this and you're supposed to act like them. I must misunderstand. There's somebody over there and you want me to act like him. Sure. I can't see through that. Biblically speaking, my face is veiled. How do you expect me to act like somebody? I cannot sit up. The truth is, I'm not even sure there's somebody over there. If they are over there, I can't tell anything about them. 
I can't tell anything about what they're wearing. I can't tell if they're standing, if they're sitting. I can't tell anything. And so this reality show goes on and I look like I'm losing. And they say, okay, we're going to go to uh, another level that's going to make it just slightly easier. And they adjust the glass some way. And now it's still very, very distorted. But I, at least at this point, I can make out that at least there's somebody over there. And because now I can at least see that there's somebody over there, I can see that they're standing. And occasionally I see that whatever that image is, it moves back and forth. And so I'm trying my best to act like them. So I just start moving back and forth a little bit. That's the best I can do. I don't have a clue if I look like them at all, except that's the best I can do. I'm just moving back and forth. And they're making another adjustment on the glass. And I can see now that their hand is moving. I don't know if they have a flash water. I don't know if they, they have something they're dusting with. I just see them moving occasionally, and I see their hand moving occasionally. So I do the best I can do. I look around, and, and, and I see a, a yardstick over here, and I grab a yardstick, and I start walking around. And, and if you can see what's on the other side, you say, that's ridiculous. You look really, really goofy because you don't look like that person on the other side. But that's the best I can do. That's all I can see. And so I'm doing the best that I can do. And they make another adjustment, and they make it clear. Whoa. Now I can make out why the hand, the hand is dribbling a ball. Okay, now, now I'm making progress. Okay, it's a man or maybe a woman walking back and forth dribbling a ball. I I grab a basketball. Now I'm looking a little bit more like them. Now I can dribble like them. They adjust it again and I can make it out. It's Miami Heat. Number six. Headband. I run out. I buy a jersey, LeBron, shorts, the shoes. And now I come back and I say, hey, I can look a lot more like him. Now, if you're a LeBron hater, don't get that mixed up into this, okay? And, and so, so, you're, so now I'm like, hey, obviously I can't play ball like him. But you know what? At this moment, I can look a lot more like him than what I could just a few adjustments ago. When I didn't know if I was supposed to be standing or sitting, I didn't know if it was going to be an elderly lady in a rocking chair crocheting or if it's going to be LeBron James walking back and forth dribbling a basketball. So now I have a Miami Heat jersey on and and the shoes and a headband and, and I'm back and forth. I'm dribbling. Now, you see where this is going. What if you could even take the glass away completely? And what if you could take somebody that really did have athletic ability and you could say, hey, go spend some time with them. And what if they spent six months or a year with them? And then you watch that person drive to the goal and and somebody say, wow, you crossed over and went to the goal, kind of like LeBron there. I I could see that. Do you realize what he's talking about when he says, but we all with unveiled faces, we're beholding, we're gazing as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And it's continual, are being transformed into His glory. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. If we're not gazing at the Lord, we're flying blind in Christianity. And we'll be doing things that doesn't look anything like Jesus. And the truth is, we won't even realize we're doing things that doesn't look anything like Jesus. Maybe you're at work tomorrow. Maybe you're at school tomorrow. Maybe you're around someone in the community tomorrow that they really do not know the Lord at all. 
They don't have any idea what the Lord looks like. And they're going to do something tomorrow that you immediately think, oh, they shouldn't have done that. Not because you're wanting to be judgmental, but because you know, you know what's right and you know what's wrong. And maybe you cringe a little bit and think, oh, that's not good that they did that. Why do they not know that it's not good? They don't know it because they don't gaze with an unveiled face. Their face is veiled. So what does this mean? We are blessed. Our lives can be changed when we can see Jesus for whom he really is and study him. Let's go... Hold your finger. We'll come right back to this. Let's go over to John 1. I'd like for us to look at a verse that, especially tonight, I'd like for us to look at this verse because we're going to be reading more from John all week this week. Here we're reading the gospel of John, John the first chapter, verse 14. You remember in verse 1 is where he's going to begin his gospel by talking about Jesus and he's going to call Jesus the Word. Remember in 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then he's going to talk about Jesus being the Word of God coming to this earth. Look at verse 14. And the Word became flesh and he dwelt among us. Now you see what the Apostle John is saying at this point. In other words, very other, but it's still the same meaning. In other words, he's saying we didn't gaze at at the Lord at this time through a veiled face or through a veil, we literally had the veil lifted. It's not that we think Jesus is up there in heaven somewhere. He came and dwelt among us. And he says, we beheld, we gazed at him, we studied him. And what did we see? You said that he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. This week, you and I are going to be reading 1 John. And what are we going to read about over and over? We're going to be reading about truth. And we're going to be reading about eternal life that we know we can have that comes by what? The grace of God. Where did the Apostle John learn about truth, about love, and about grace? He told us right here. He said, I learned about it because Jesus came and he dwelt right in front of us. I saw truth. I saw grace without a veil. I was looking straight at it. And so when John talks about it, of course he's writing by inspiration of God. But he's not writing about something he doesn't know. He's writing about something that he experienced. How does that translate to you and I? How can we look at Jesus? Because there's not some kind of glass that that we can adjust. And it's not that, that we can ascend into heaven and look on the right hand throne of God and say, Jesus, we want to spend some time with you. And it's not that Jesus is going to descend right now in a, in a fleshly form, just walk with us through this earth. So what is it that Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, that is urging us, some passages, the strong emphasis is upon us being transformed. In this passage, the strong emphasis is upon us taking the veil off of our face so that we can be transformed. So what is it in 2 Corinthians 3 that he's saying, you need to lift that veil. Let's go back there. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. I'd like for you to drop back with me. And, and really, we could study this whole chapter. Time absolutely wouldn't permit that. But, but what he's going to do in this chapter is he's going to talk some about Moses and the old law, the old covenant, the old testament. He's going to talk about Christ and he's going to talk about that new testament. And he's going to talk about that the glory that was under the old law. And keep in mind, there was glory under the old law, but it wasn't permanent. It only lasted for a certain time and its glory was gone. And then it's, he's going to talk about the glory that came under the new covenant. 
And that glory remains. And there's some pretty strong words about which covenant we live under and how we can either lift a veil or we can bring a veil over our eyes depending upon which covenant we read. You'll go to work and school tomorrow and you'll be around many people that call themselves Christians and the vast, vast majority of them will not know the difference in the Old and the New Testament. If you do not know the difference in the Old and the New Testament, I beg you to start studying it. And if you don't know it, call us and let's sit down and let's study. I really mean that. You're going to see in what we're going to study here, you cannot look at Jesus with an unveiled face if you do not know the difference in the Old and the New Covenant. Let's let God say it to us here. All right, here's what we've got. Let's go back to verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds, and it interesting wasn't their eyes, it was their minds that were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses, talking about the Old Testament, is read, a veil lies on the heart. What's the story he's referring to when he talks about Moses and the glory and then the glory fading away. If you want to hold your finger here and just flip over to Exodus, the 34th chapter, Exodus, the 34th chapter, we'll look at a few things. That'll be somewhere around page 82 or 83 in the Bible that's in your pew. If you want to look there and, and we're going to look at Exodus 34th chapter. Let me remind you of just a few things that's happened right before this. So you'll know the setting. Children of Israel have been led out of Egypt from Egyptian uh, slavery. They've come out. He has already gone up to the mountain one time and he spent some time with God receiving the Ten Commandments. Remember, God gave him the tablets. God wrote upon the tablets. God gave it to him. And then he also said, you better get off the mountain. The people were really messing up. And while he was up there, they built a golden calf. They began to dance and to sing. And, and well, the Bible says they did not restrain themselves, meaning that they probably were also involved in immorality. And so most Moses comes off the mountain and he sees it and he's so mad. You remember he breaks the tablets and and then he punishes them with about three different types of punishment. And for this lesson, we won't take the time to go into that. And so after a lot of that is resolved, and then the best, one of my favorite stories in all of the Old Testament is then where God says, listen, I'm so fed up with them. And and there goes back and forth. First, God wants to destroy them. And then Moses talks him out of that. And so he says, well, I'll tell you what I do. I won't destroy them. I'll send my angel before you. You guys can go to your promised land and I'm not going with you. And, and Moses has that wonderful talk, says, Lord, if you're not going, I'm not going. All right. And so finally, God and Moses settle that. They're going to go. And before they go, he's, he's called back up into the mountain again. And this time when he goes up to the top of the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments again, if you want a little humor, I mean, it's true, but it's kind of humorous, isn't it? Remember, he says, this time he says, all right, you bring your own tablets this time. I supplied them the first time and you broke them. You bring your own this time, you bring the tablet and I'll do the writing. And so he has, I don't know, carve out his own stone. I don't know how, exactly how that happened, but he had to bring his own tablets back with him. And just another little thing for what it's worth. I don't know what it's worth, but in it interest, 10 commandments were, were carved on both sides. So when you see two tablets, you know, up on walls and have five here and five there on front sides, it wasn't like that. It was 10 commandments on two sides of two tablets. And so, so God calls him back up and he spends time again with God. 
Well, this time he's going to come out from spending time with God and he's going to go talk to the children of Israel a little bit and he's going to go back up and spend time with them again. And what happens? Well, you probably already have picked up on what happens, but let's see what happens here. Uh, Verse 28 of Exodus 34 tells us that he ended up spending uh, 40 days and 40 nights there. And uh, 29, we see that he comes down from Mount Sinai. The two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain. And Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Do you see? You see the spiritual symbolism. Now, just in case you don't know, glory means radiance. Glory means brilliant. Glory is the idea that something is shining. You remember in the text that we just read a few moments ago in 2 Corinthians, you and I are to approach Jesus with an unveiled face and we are to gaze upon his glory and be transformed from glory to glory. And so that's the spiritual glory that is to be taking place. And now the physical glory that was taking place is Moses goes up and spends time with God and God is so glorious. Listen, I can't explain this one to you. I I can't even explain hardly more than what I'll say at this moment. I don't know what the next explanation would be. It's one of those things I want to ask God when I get to heaven. But if you take all the characteristics of God, remember, God's not physical. God is a spirit. You take all the characteristics of God. You take his saving grace. You take his great love. You take his rich mercy. you, You take the severity of God, the judgment of God. You put all of that together. And what does it look like? If there's going to be a physical presence to it, A lot of the times it looks like this brilliant light. There is this glory. And Moses goes and he spends time with our glorious God. And he comes out to talk with the children of Israel. And his skin is literally glowing. It didn't say that there was a halo that followed him that glowed. He literally was glowing. Him spending time with God changed him. And so he comes out to speak to the people and, and he remember how they were afraid. See at the end of verse 30. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. They were afraid to come near him. And so when we read the rest of this chapter, what we find out is that he would come to them. And when he was talking to the children of Israel, he would put a veil over his face So they wouldn't be afraid of him. And then when he would go back in to talk with God, he would lift the veil so that he could talk with God with an unveiled face. But we know that Moses' face didn't continue to shine. And and so once he left the presence of God for a while, that glory disappeared. What happens when you stop gazing at God? When you stop gazing at him, when you stop studying God, you will stop reflecting his glory. That's why we, can, we must always be a student of God, a student of God's word. We must always have a heart every day where we wake up and say, I want to serve God. I want to be close to God. I love God with all of my being. Why? Because when we start getting lax and we let days go by and we let weeks go by, the glory of God no longer shines within us because that's literally a part of the transformation process and it's a part of the separation process where when we separate from him, we no longer have his glory. And so the glory of the old covenant was like the glory that was on Moses' face. It was not going to be permanent. When Jesus came and died upon the cross, that glory was gone. 
That's why, and that's not a guesstimate, that's why in verse 14 at the end, which you notice that Paul is using the metaphor of veil here several times. He's talked about it, that we're to come with a face that's unveiled in 18. And then in 13 and 14, he talks about Moses in the veil. And now he's going to use a different story in the Bible. And he's going to talk about the veil in the temple. See at the very end of 14, where the same veil uh, remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil, now this is a different veil. This is the veil in the temple. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. So he's saying, we don't follow the old covenant now that Jesus Christ has died. Why? Because the veil is taken away when Jesus passed away. Do you remember that? In Matthew, the 27th chapter, there were four miracles that took place the day Jesus was crucified. And and if you're taking notes or, or you want to glance at it, verse 45 tells that paragraph. And we see miracles like it becoming dark midday till three in the afternoon. For three hours, it's dark all over the land. God was showing mankind that something big was happening. The rocks quaked so much that they broke in two. Now that's an earthquake. God was showing them that something was happening. You could look over in the graves and some of the tombs, individuals has resurrected and setting in the tombs. That gets your attention. You remember the fourth one? The fourth one was the veil that separated the most holy place, which was what? The presence of God. No man could see the presence of God except the high priest once a year on the day of atonement. And when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn by God from top to bottom. So now everyone could look in and see the presence of God. The old covenant that was to lead mankind to Jesus had been fulfilled. It's no longer needed. It no longer has its glory because now Jesus brings the ultimate covenant. He brings the ultimate gift that now he has led us all the way to the presence of God. And because of that, we can't serve two covenants and be faithful to Christ. Romans, the seventh chapter, the first four or five verses makes that clear. It would be just like a woman saying, I want to be married to two husbands and I'm going to be faithful to both of them. And he says there, you know that you'd call that adultery. And so the implications of his teaching is in verse four is the old has been dead. Now you are to be married to the one who has been resurrected. And so the implication of that teaching is if somebody says, no, 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 I want to be married to Jesus, but I also want to be married to the old and Romans seven and four is teaching. No, that'd be spiritual adultery. At the information center, there's a little booklet. And the title of the book is Access to God. And about page four or five, I think it may be number seven on the numeral system as you're turning the pages. There's probably two or three pages that gives a lot of scripture and a lot of teaching that would help you study through the difference in the old and the new covenant. And so if you do not know that difference... Please grab one of those books tonight. Please talk with some of us. Because you have read what we've just read. And as long as we think we're living under the old covenant, the veil is across our face. And we cannot become what Jesus wants us to become. 
The veil is only lifted when we come through Christ and through His covenant. Verse 16, verse 16 says, back to 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, when you compare that towards the end, the middle to the end of verse 14, when he says the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, it's pretty powerful, isn't it? So let's summarize. Verse 18 is a beautiful teaching. It would be easy for us to just jump right in and say, it's a teaching about the transformation that we ought to go to, through. That's true. But really, in the context, what the emphasis of verse 18 is, is that if you want that transformation, you must come with an unveiled face. That is realizing that you and I today aren't going to have a glass that we adjust to look through Christ. We're not going to sin. He's not going to descend. But we have been given a covenant The New Testament, that is the testament that will lead us in this sense spiritually face to face with Jesus. And we gaze at the Jesus that we read about. We gaze at the one who walked this earth and we see the stories of him walking this earth. And we gaze at the teachings that he gave us and we live by those teachings. We gaze at the promises that he gives us and we cling to those promises. We gaze at the love that he has given us. And it transforms our lives. And if we're not gazing at that, let's close by the fourth chapter in verse 3. The fourth chapter in verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. So we've been given the gospel that shows us Jesus. And I say, I, I I don't want to gaze at that. I don't, I don't want to gaze at the new covenant that shows me Jesus. And he says, there's a result for that. Your eyes are veiled and you're perishing. That's how critical it is. That's how critical it is that we love Christ's covenant and we always read it to find Jesus. So as we read this week, Let's gaze deeply into Christ's covenant. Let's redefine Christ's will. And let's make sure that every day our lives are being transformed a little bit more like Him. From glory to glory. Because we've approached with an unveiled face and we are being transformed. Does this describe you? A caterpillar goes through an amazing transformation and becomes a butterfly. And we watch that, and surely we would say, wow, God is powerful. That's amazing. And it would be easy to think about that all just from the standpoint of, look what God did. That's a a good angle. I know it's going to sound a little silly, but have you ever thought about what that caterpillar thought? I mean, hey, just... Not long ago, I was looked a lot more like a worm. I was just kind of inching along. I wasn't exactly sure what all was happening to me, but 
Wow, look at these colors. Wow, that's amazing. It used to take me days. As a matter of fact, I never traveled that far before. And I just did that in, in, in just a few minutes. As amazing as the power of God is in transformation And it's amazing to think about God can transform us from filthy rags to individuals that are saved. But why? He's created you for a purpose because now as this transformed butterfly, there is great work for you to do. There's great purpose in your life. And so I simply ask, can you see the difference? Can you see what you used to be and can you see what you are now? Can you see the way God is continually transforming you and how you're growing and you're just becoming more glorious like Him? And if you don't see that, if I were you tonight, I would make it my passion to say, I want to find that. I want to find that transformation that can only come through gazing at Jesus Christ with a face that is unveiled. Tonight, if you're ready to be baptized into Christ, it's one of the greatest moves you'll ever make in your life to surrender your life to Christ. Maybe you've begun that and you want to rededicate your life. Tonight, whatever we could do to help you, that's what we want to do. We just want to encourage you. If you're living separated from God, we don't want you to leave here tonight thinking that's okay. It's not. You're missing the very purpose God created you for. We want all of us to leave here tonight being transformed by the glory of God into His glory. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.